want to continue our series on hope. And so we talked about hope is coming. We talked about last week, Easter Sunday was incredible. Hope is here. But I want to talk today for a couple minutes from the subject, hope under fire. Hope under fire. I don't don't know if you've always had a a perfect uh, track record with hope, but I... It's, in my life, in my experience, hope has been difficult to keep at some times. And so I want to I go to 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to the, go to the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. She sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. Be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. She threatens to kill him. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. I want to talk just for a couple minutes from this subject, hope under fire through the lens of the prophet Elijah. The, the, the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, we now hear the threats that came from Jezebel, who was the queen. But in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had just experienced the greatest victory of his entire ministry. He had, he had went face to face, head to head with the prophets of Baal. And God, in, in chapter 18, answers by fire and proves that he's on, the only true God. So Elijah comes off of the mountain from the greatest single victory that he's ever experienced in his life. He comes right off the mountain into the valley with a threat from Jezebel. She she sends a messenger and says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. By this time tomorrow, she comes through, he comes from the greatest mountain, and now he finds himself in one of the greatest valleys. He's full of hope, he's full of optimism, he's full of faith, positivity, and now all of a sudden we see Elijah's faith under fire. I think it's interesting that Jezebel sent a, sent a messenger. She didn't come herself. She didn't show up to kill him. She just sent someone to tell him that I'm about to kill you. I was thinking this week just about uh, messages, and uh, in, in today's uh, day and age, we get messages differently. We got people sliding into the DMs. You know, it used to be like pen pals. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, used to you used to put some work into it. You know, some postcards. And, uh, I, I remember I was I was working out of my gym in, in Washington years ago, and uh, Jamie and I hadn't started dating yet, and I was working out there with a guy, and uh, he he said, uh, "Hey, I, I heard something you might want to know." And I said, really? What, what is it? He's like, I got a message for you. I said, all right. What's, 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 what's the message? And he said, uh, you know Jamie Klein? And I said, yeah, I mean, I know of Jamie Klein. And uh, he goes, I, I heard uh, that she might be interested in you. I said, really? 
So that's an interesting message. That message generated some hope in me. And I said, all right, well, um, well that's good. I'm, I'm going to pray on that. And, uh, but but once, once I got the message, it changed everything. Because I found out there was a chance. So you're saying there's a, yeah, saying there's a chance. It, 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 that, that message brought hope. Not, not all messages bring hope. When I, when I was in, this is a true story, when I was in seventh grade, I was homeschooled, ran cross country for the school. And uh, one day I was leaving practice and I saw two kids beating up another kid. Now, you got to understand this about me. It doesn't matter how talented, skilled, gifted, strong, small, big I am. I was born a fighter, all right? I've learned to be a lover, but I was born a fighter. And, and so I see these big old dudes beating this kid, and something just came over me. I mean, like, I don't know what it was, adrenaline, righteous indignation, something came over me. And I yell, hey! And they stop, and they look. I said, why don't you pick on someone your own size? This guy stops, he turns around. It was like a movie. Just slowly turns, and he says, like, who? You? I'm like, uh, uh, I said your own size. Like, look at you, man. Like, are you an idiot? And I said, come on. And he says, tomorrow, after school, I'm going to beat you up. He said, you be ready. I'm like, what? what? So I run. Like, I'm running. Like, mom! You know, I jump in the car, and uh, I lay down in bed that night, and all I could think of, I'm in seventh grade. All I can think about is tomorrow. I was thinking about like, okay, man, what am I going to do tomorrow? Like tomorrow. I, I didn't sleep all that night. I was up thinking about it, like, oh, stressing about it. What am I going to do? And, and, uh, and I, didn't, I didn't know what you should do and what you should bring to school and what you shouldn't bring to school. It's homeschool. All I knew is I was like, I ain't going down like this. So I'm laying in bed. I was up all night with the threat of maybe getting beat up. So I had a little Swiss Army knife, just a, just a little one. I went to cross-country practice. Locked and loaded. Come at me, brothers. I, was, I didn't know what was going to happen. He was way bigger than me. He was way older than me. But I came, I, I, came, I came ready. You know what's interesting? All through the night, I couldn't sleep. All the next day, I was just, I was anxious. I was tense about what was going to happen after practice that day. And I started thinking about how powerful threats are. I mean, we all love a message that says, hey, there's a chance. But the threat of danger, the threat of death, the threat of pain, not even pain itself, the, the, the threat of pain. Isn't that interesting that, that it, it doesn't even have to be the actual thing, but it, really the threat of that thing can even be worse than whatever that thing is going to be. I didn't know if they were going to find me the next day. I don't know if they were going to be there. I didn't know if I was going to be there. I thought I might never go back. But the threat kept me up. It worried me. It stressed me. You ever had threat? Threats attack your hope? That's hope under fire. The enemy knows how to strategically send messengers. Messengers of doubt. Messengers of fear. Messengers like by this time tomorrow, you won't be here. By this time tomorrow, we will take your life. By this time tomorrow, you will catch a virus. By this time tomorrow, and we begin the economy, the jobs, our finances, our families, our well-being, our health, our safety. And the, it hadn't even happened. But the threat of danger will cripple us. I laid in my bed crippled with fear about something that had not happened yet.
And this is what we see in the story. In verse 2, it says that Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. She's saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. Did you know that the enemy knows how to send a messenger at just the right time to cripple you in your progress? And it usually comes after a victory. It usually comes after God's done something great in your life. It usually comes after you've made progress or you've taken a step towards God. How coincidental is right when you take a step towards God, all of a sudden, messengers. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, th- there is a voice There is a voice of fear. There is a voice of discouragement. There is a voice. There's a messenger of divorce. There's a messenger of abuse. There's a messenger of perversion. There's a message. It's a voice that comes into your head that says it's always going to be this way. You'll always be this way. You'll end up this way. We talked about fear weeks ago. Fear accelerates my destination. When I get a message, a messenger, oh, Oh, may this time tomorrow, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. If you watch the news, if you get so caught up in negativity, you will begin to have fear about the future, but that the future hasn't even happened yet. Wow. It's what happened with me. I was crippled with fear about something that hadn't even happened. I didn't even know how it was going to turn out. I didn't even know what the destination was going to be, but I was crippled. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep in fear of what could happen. And that's where many believers are even today. We're crippled at the thought of what might happen. We won't step out in faith because we don't know if we're going to be rejected. We won't step out in faith because we don't know if we're going to fail. We don't, won't start the business, won't make the prayer request, won't take the step of faith because we don't know. Because somewhere... In the back of our mind, there's a messenger, a messenger. I think there's a couple things with your hope under fire that you can learn from messengers. One is this. Messengers come with a threat, but they rarely deliver. I want you to think about something for a second. Think about all the things you've worried about in the last 30 days. I mean, just think about it. Think about all the things you worried. This would happen. This would fall through. She would do this. He would do this. Think about it. And how many of those things actually happened? And then think about how much time was lost worrying about a destination or an end result that actually never came to pass. The Bible says, who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But think about how much time we spend accelerating the destination, thinking, oh yeah, this is for sure going to happen. This is never going to work out. We're going down with this. Oh, this and that and this and that. They come with a threat, but they rarely deliver. Verse 3 said, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. All it took was a messenger for Elijah who had just stood on Mount Carmel and seen God answered by fire on demand. Right? Elijah, Elijah on demand. God, if you're really God, answer with fire. And then he comes down and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. And he's like, oh, God. I mean, what? This is us. We have a moment, a peak of faith. We're ready to take on the world. And then a messenger says, and you're probably going to fail. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Messengers threaten, but they rarely deliver. Verse 3 in the message, it says this. When Elijah saw how things were, when he saw 
Now, I want, you, I want to ask you a question. Did he see the threat or did he hear the threat? You can answer all line if you want. Did, did he see the threat or did he hear? The, he saw, he heard the threat. But he says, when I saw how things were, he made an assumption on how his life was going to end by what he heard from the messenger. Did you know it's really important what you listen to and who you listen to? Because you will begin to draw conclusions about your future destination because of the voice that you're currently listening to. Messengers try to announce an end result that they don't have the authority to deliver. Listen, you can't curse what God has blessed. Elijah just had the greatest victory of his life. He's standing on Mount Carmel. God answers by fire. The prophets of Baal are killed. He walks down. Jezebel now says, and I'm going to take you out. She didn't have the authority to take him out. She doesn't have the power. She doesn't have the means. She doesn't have the ability. All she has is a messenger. Sad is really all it takes sometimes is a messenger. It's not actually the thing happening. It's just the fear of the thing. It's not even you losing your job. It's the fear that you might lose your job. It's not even that she would do this or he would do this. It's the fear that they might. It's not even the disease. It's the fear that you might get the disease. It's not even the virus. It's the fear that you might get. You have to be careful that you're not drawing a conclusion on a message from a messenger that they do not have the authority to decide in your life. The enemy of the word of God is the threat of the messenger. The, the, whatever God says is truth. Whatever God says is final. Whatever God says is established. Whatever It was how God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke. There was no messenger that said, hey, God, I don't know if you can do that. When he said light, there was light. When he created, when he spoke, there was action. The enemy can echo what God says, but has no authority to determine the thing that God has already predetermined. And if God blesses you, no devil, no demon, no principality can curse you. I'm here to tell you that when you have a word of God, no messenger from the enemy can do anything to change that word. Messengers, they come with a threat but they rarely deliver. We can learn something else from messengers. Messengers, they come with an accusation date and an expiration date. I want to unpack this. They, they come with an accusation date, but they also come with an expiration date. In verse 4, it says, While he himself, Elijah, when he's running, he went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now she said, by the end of the day tomorrow, right? So how long did he run? He ran for a day. That's what the Bible says. It says, she said by this time tomorrow. So he says, I'm, I'm running. If, if she's going to give me tomorrow, that, that would just be like me, like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. They say they're going to find me after school. I ain't ever going to school again. That's what Elijah did. He just ran. He said, I'm going to outrun the threat. So he outruns the threat. It's now been a day. So the threat should have expired because she said, by this time tomorrow, you will be killed. He, 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 he lasts longer than the threat. And then it says in verse 4, And he came to a broom bush, he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. He survived. He, he survived. She said, I'm going to kill you. She wasn't able to kill him. But he still, he already drew a conclusion in his mind of how it would work and how it would play out. And now Elijah is saying it's not worth it. 
the journey's not worth it. The, 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 the struggle is not worth it. The process is not worth it. And he survives. And he says, no, Lord, let me die. Have you ever felt like your hope was under fire? And it's not that you couldn't get there. It's not that you couldn't outlast it. But the journey so exhausts you that at some point you're ready to just tap out. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of pressing. I'm tired. I'm worn out. Elijah prayed that he might die. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness. He ran past the accusation date. But that accusation also had an expiration date. I call this the residual of fear. The residual of fear is even after the threat has expired, fear finds a lodging place in your heart. When you begin to fear something, even if it doesn't come to pass, you will begin to, long after the threat has expired, you will still live in the atmosphere of fear that you've created with your own thoughts. The messenger comes to strike fear in you. And even after the threat fails, you'll find yourself living in that place of fear. You know what I found is fear is contagious. It, it spreads. I'm afraid of this, but now I'm afraid of that. And once I'm afraid of that, now I'm afraid of that. And now I'm afraid of this and that and this and that. And now I'm afraid of everything. Because fear spreads like a virus. Fear is contagious like a virus. And if you don't arrest fear at its root, it will begin to so take you over that you accelerate God's plan for you and you make it your plan. Surely this is going to end. God had a plan for Elijah. God had a purpose for Elijah. And Elijah says, uh, I don't know, just, just let, me, let me die. Your destination is determined by the voices that you listen to. Where you end up is determined by who you listen to. Elijah ended up underneath a broom bush asking God to kill him. That's because of the voice he listened to. If he would have listened to the same voice that called him years earlier, he would have never prayed that God would kill him. But because he listened to a messenger, a nobody messenger with no authority, with no power to actually kill him, because you can't curse with God's blood, he had no power to actually execute on this threat because God still had purpose. And if you still got purpose, then the enemy doesn't have a chance against you. If you still have breath in your lungs, the Bible teaches us you still have purpose. And if you have purpose, the enemy cannot come against you or that purpose because it's God's purpose working in and through you. But Elijah listened to the voice of the messenger. Listen to the voice of the messenger and he prayed that he would die. Fear will outlive your threat. When Jezebel is long and gone, you still will have the fear that you've allowed space into your life unless you realize that there are real threats. It's true. There's real threats. We have a real virus. We have a real issue. We have a real crash in our economy. All of that is real. But all of that has an expiration date and all of that has to bow to the plan and to the purpose of God. So if I really trust him, if I really believe him, then I can have confidence even in the midst of turmoil. I can have confidence even when my hope is under fire because I'm not trusting in the news station. I'm not trusting in the economy. I'm trusting in my provider. I'm trusting in my healer. I'm trusting in my comforter. And when I have anchored myself in that place of hope, 
no message from the enemy. No lie, no accusation, no threat can shake my purpose. The next thing you see is that messengers come to discourage you from your original purpose. The messengers come to discourage you from your original purpose. I love this verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Now let me ask you this question. God's not feeding him to die. God didn't show up with the angel of the Lord and saying, hey, last meal. You prayed that you might die, and I don't know what your last meal would be. I'd make sure it was a good one. If it was going to be my last one, like, you know, I eat pretty healthy, but if it's the last one, I'm just telling you, like, we're going to have a couple desserts and have them first just in case he kills me early, and, like, I'm going I'm to make sure I get some, some good grub in. God provides food for him, but the food wasn't so that he could eat it as a last meal. The food that God provided to Elijah was to strengthen him for the journey that was ahead of him. Elijah says, God, let me die. He says, get up and eat because you got things to do. I feel like right now in the body of Christ, what God is saying is I know it looks dire. I know there's some difficult situations. I know we find ourselves in a crisis. Here's some food. God, what's the food for? Well, the food's for you because you need strength for the thing I'm about to move you into. I'm about to feed you for the journey that is ahead of you because I'm never going to call you to something that I haven't equipped you for. I'm never going to move you into something that I've not already prepared your heart. So I'm feeding you right now so you have the strength and the nourishment to do the thing I've called you to do. So get up. That's what he says to Elijah. Get up. Eat. Let's go. We got work to do. I see way too many people just waiting for it to pass. Oh, pastor, when will it pass? When will it stop? I don't know if it, I don't, I don't know when it is. And really, it doesn't matter if it ever will. Because our strength, our sustenance, our confidence is not in a corona-free world. It has and always will be in a crucified Christ. It is in him. It is through him. He is our source. He is our strength. And oftentimes, it takes a shaking for us to recognize That he is all we need. He's all we need. God will always provide you with what you need to fulfill your purpose. God will always provide you with what you need. It would have been one thing if he just got Elijah up and said, Elijah, let's go. All right, man, you you prayed and asked that you would die. Man, get ready. Here it comes. It wasn't that. It was, hey, Elijah... I'm going to wake you up, and I believe this today, is that God's waking some of us up. But he's not just waking us up to see another messenger or to hear another messenger. He's waking us up to the original word, to his word that is more powerful than any other word. You know what's really interesting is if you fast forward this story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah eats, he gets ready for the journey, and this is when, many of you remember, remember this in the Old Testament, it says God showed up in the earthquake, The fire, the wind, he wasn't in any of those. He says, and then he spoke in a still, small voice. And he began to speak to Elijah. Now listen to this. A messenger drove him to the cave, but a whisper drew him out. 
when he began to hear the still small voice of God that said you have a purpose I've got a plan for you your days are not over there is not an expiration date on my purpose there's an expiration date on the messenger there's an expiration date on the accusation but there is not an expiration date on my purpose so get up and eat then he spoke to him in still small voice he began to whisper purpose. Did you know that if you know what the word of God says, it doesn't matter what the messenger says? No matter what messenger of evil, what messenger of negativity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what political office they hold. It doesn't matter what authority they have in your life. No word trumps the word of God. The word of God. It made me think about the early church. Last week we talked about the resurrection and Easter and, and, and then right after, right after the resurrection, Jesus, he's raised from the dead and he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. He said, stay in Jerusalem until what I promised you shows up. He said, I got, I got a promise for you. I don't know if you like presents. I like presents. I, just, I like the answers. I love gifts. I like, I mean, Amazon Prime comes. I get presents for myself because it's just like it's fun to just open them up. And, and, and I, I love presents. doesn't matter. Small, big, I love presents. And, 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 and this is what Jesus said. He says, I got something for you. I got a gift for you. I have a promise for you. I want you to go stay in Jerusalem. Now, if you know the beginnings of the early church, there was all kinds of persecution there was messengers of accusation that Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, that the disciples stole his body. It was a hoax. It was a trick. It wasn't really true. There was all kinds of stories swirling. Let me say it this way. There was all kinds of messages being sent around. And Jesus said, I want you to stay until you get what I've promised. So the story goes that they went to the upper room. Many of you have heard of the upper room. They went in the upper room and they began to pray. And they stayed in Jerusalem. Their hope was under fire. I mean, as much as it could be. Now Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit hasn't come. They're just there in the upper room hearing messages from the world. That they're going to be killed. That they're believing a lie. That there's not truth to what they're standing and even giving their life for. And they're waiting, and they're waiting. And the Bible says in the book of Acts that there was a sound like the mighty rushing wind. And tongues of fire rested on each of them. They all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts chapter 2 goes on that they spilled out of the upper room and into the streets. And those same people that were used to be timid, the same people that used to have their, 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 their lives lived in such fear and timidity and even denied Jesus, now walk out of the upper room full of confidence and boldness and power and strength and begin to preach the gospel. And the Bible says the main speaker, the main preacher was Peter. Peter, the same one that denied Jesus three times. When Peter's hope was under fire, he caved. When they threatened him, when they accused him, he caved. He denied Jesus three times. And now, fast forward, out of the upper room spills Peter the least likely person that you want speaking for you, preaching for you. He cut off a dude's ear in the garden. That was like his grand effort to defend Jesus right before he ran for his own life. And now he is the proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. 
People are accusing them of being drunk. People are spewing negativity. There are messengers everywhere. And Peter stands up with a resolute boldness and confidence and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people get saved that day. And I was praying this week. I thought Elijah's hope was under fire. And the messengers were swirling around in his head. The messages of death, the threats that were coming, that people would kill him, that he was in danger. But it was the whisper of God that pulled him and drew him out into the place of his purpose. Now Peter, hiding and denying Jesus, but something happens when his hope was under fire. Jesus says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a little something, something to deal with the hope that is under fire. And for the first time, God fights fire with fire because he baptizes the early church with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says that the Holy Spirit is my helper. He's my comforter. He is my teacher. Jesus said it's better for me to go that the Holy Spirit can come. How do you make it through hard times? How do you make it when there's messengers of evil everywhere? How do you make it in the midst of threats? How do you make it in the midst of persecution and crisis? I'm going to tell you, you make it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. John 14, verse 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Now, I want you to get this. And remind you. Oh, one of the greatest purposes of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of what God has already said. What is the message? It's what the enemy says. It's what the world says. What is the Holy Spirit's chief aim? It's to remind you of what God says. He says the Holy Spirit will teach you. And he'll cause you to remember the things that he said. Because God's word always trumps the messenger's word. God's word is always greater than the messenger's word. Psalm 119 verse 114. It says you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your, in your word. If you don't know God's word, you'll fall for the word of the messenger. If you don't know his word, you will stumble over the word of the messenger. If you don't know his word and what he says about you, then the word of our culture will cripple your life. Elijah was crippled and prayed that he might die because he listened to a voice that was not God's. But in his crippled state, what brought him out was not Jezebel retracting her threat. It was the Spirit of God speaking to him and drawing him out. God's word trumps every other word. A messenger, we said this earlier, drove him to a cave, but a whisper drew him out. Luke chapter 11, I love this passage of scripture. Verse 11, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How do I receive this good news? How do I receive a message, a messenger that gives me a message that incites hope instead of fear? You ask. You ask. Like many of us are searching for current news and the statistics of how many cases of COVID-19 are in our county and you put it in the Google search bar and you search it is the same way that you ask for the Holy Spirit. You put a demand on someone that has information and you type it in in your own mental space, in your own vocal space, in the own search bar of your life. Holy Spirit, what do you say? And it is the whisper of the Spirit of God that will draw you out of insecurity. It's the whisper of the Spirit of God that will draw you out of lust. It's the whisper of the Spirit of God that will draw you out of addiction. It's the whisper of the Spirit of God, the Word of God that will never fail, the Word of God that will never pass away. It's His work. The enemy tries to send his messengers trying to tell you you're worthless. You don't measure up. You'll never measure up. You've done too much. You've gone too far. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray enough. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't say the right thing. All of these messengers have to bow at the voice of God. So for me and you, what does that mean? It means that I have to humble myself to a place where I say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. Could it be that simple? The Bible says if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It's that simple. God, I need your wisdom. I know you want seven steps how to defeat the messengers in your life, but there's one step. It's God, I need the help you promised. I need to be reminded of your word. I need to be reminded of your promises, especially in crisis, especially in tumultuous times, in times of uncertainty. I need to be reminded you called me. You brought me on this journey. You are in control. It's your word that got me here. It's your word that will get me out of here. It's your word that caused me to step into it. It's your word that will get me through it. I started the business because of your word. So you're going to protect the business because of your word. I went into ministry because of your word. So you're going to bring me through ministry because of your word. It's his word. Jesus says it's better for me to go. And I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will teach you and remind you of everything I said. I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit. When my hope is under fire... I need to fight fire with fire. Not with my own strength and my own ability, but with his strength. I remember when I was laying in my bed as a seventh grader, crippled in fear because of the messenger. I'll see you after practice. Oh my gosh. I didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell my parents. Didn't tell anybody. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I just thought in this, I just had this thought in my mind. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was God. Maybe it was just craziness. I ain't going out like this. That's not, I'm not, I'm not going to go out crippled in fear under a broom bush praying for God to kill me. If I'm going to go out, I'm bringing the Swiss Army knife, and I'm going out that way. That's just like, you know, let's, let's, if, if we're going to go out, we're going to make it a good story. I mean, that's just how it, 
I feel like God wants to resurrect a fight in the hearts of believers that say, I'm not going out this way. The threat hasn't even touched my home and I'm crippled in fear. I'm not going out that way. If I'm going out, I'm going out in a blaze of glory. I'm going out because I'm standing confident and I'm standing firm on the word of God that is unmovable and unshakable. I'm not going out that way. Let me declare over you, you're not going out that way. You're not going out crippled in fear. You're not going out with your hope under fire. Fight fire with fire. You need the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life. How do you get it? Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. I need you to remind me of what you have said. Remind me of your word. Words like, he's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my strength. Words like, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Words like when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. Words like you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who called you. Words like what can separate you from the love of God? No, nothing, nothing, no thing can separate you from the words like perfect love casts out all fear so you're telling me i need to know my bible yeah but i'm telling you that god gave you a gift in the holy spirit and the holy spirit will remind you of his word and his word is unshakable